Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecaptionlife.com. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. Now that we've just had Black Panther Wakanda Forever released in theaters, I thought this would be a great time to look back and reflect on Phase 4 of Marvel Studios. Now, I know that technically Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is also part of Phase 4 and it hasn't been released yet, but I think we can still do this episode and serve it justice. As always, I love to bring people on the show to have these discussions, so to help us look back on and review Marvel Studios Phase 4, please welcome Tara T.K. Kearns. T.K. is an educator, pop culture enthusiast, Enthusiast and host of There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast in which she analyzes the MCU's big ideas with guests of various backgrounds and perspectives. TK, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Sean. I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you about the MCU tonight. Yeah, same here. And I have to say that I am really glad to have you on because your podcast is one of my favorites that I love to listen to because what I think um, is really great about your podcast is not only do you do a review analysis um, either by yourself with a guest, but you bring in a lot of great, interesting humanities perspective to it. And I think that's part of your uh, background as an educator, but you always seem to really bring in a really interesting perspective and a little bit of a background on looking at the bigger picture uh, from the humanitarian perspective on things. And so I'm really excited to have you on to kind of talk about a little bit of those things as well, too. Yeah, thank you so much. And I've appreciated working with you over on There Was an Idea as well. And uh, this is this is really exciting. So just like every episode for our guests, I always like to ask them their uh, origin story when it comes to comics. But since we're also talking about the MCU, I want to ask you, uh, what is your comic book and MCU origin story? What is there like a person or events that got you into it? Um, tell us a little bit about what got you started into those fandoms. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I wasn't a comics reader, but I was really into, for for lack of a better word, like geeky stuff and fan. And stuff. And I was always a fan. And thinking about it, if comics had come my way at a young age, I think I would have really gotten into them because I loved to read and I loved stories and video games and superheroes and any kind of character building stuff. And um, so something that, that's come up on my podcast a couple of times when thinking about my my origin with with superhero world in general is that when I was very, very young, I saw the movie Batman forever and watched <laughs> that VHS tape so many times. And, <laughs> and um, I just fell in love with that character, Batman and that world. And my brother and I, we played a lot of video games that had Batman and justice league and X-Men and all, all of that. And for some reason I didn't have the comics, but I obviously got into the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies, the Raimi Spider-Man movies um, for comics. I did start to religiously follow the Buffy, the vampire slayer season eight run when that came out. Mm, yeah. I don't, that may have been, like 2005, 2006, uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it was after that series wrapped in 2003. And then uh, it kind of, they, they continued the story in, in comics format and it was considered to be canonical. And I was just so excited about that because that, that was my, my favorite show ever. Um, and so 
so since since that time, right? So I I really got into the MCU then uh, when the MCU came out, and it wasn't until I was podcasting about the MCU, which I started in 2020, that I started working with people who would recommend comics titles to me, and I really really got into um, the Hawkeye comics and the mm-hmm. Fraction um, Matt Fraction Hawkeye comics. And from there, kind of, you know, read a few runs like the classic Civil War run and things like that. So I'm always open to suggestions. Um, and yeah, I know I know for some people, it, it's it's a background with the comic book characters that brought them into the MCU. But then for me, it was really digging into the MCU that led me some more into into comics. And uh, yeah, I, I another one that I've heard is really good that I haven't read yet, but I want to is the Iron Fist I forget mm. the author, but have you have you read that? Not are you talking about the current run? Um, maybe. Yeah, I I actually haven't read any of the standalone Iron Fist comics. I've read some comics where he's in it, but I okay. haven't read any of the standalone. He hasn't been a, a character of mine that I've been um completely interested in. But I've heard from some people that the current run of Iron Fist, I think, has been really interesting and that they've enjoyed that one. Yeah. So maybe I'll have to check that out next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and kind of like what you're saying with how Batman Forever kind of got you started in that, I think that's not a unique uh, experience because I know for me, my exposure to um, superheroes was through the movie. So, you know, Christopher Reeves as uh, Superman was probably my first introduction as, um, you know, Superman as as a superhero to myself and being one of my favorite heroes when I was at an early age. And then Batman 89 came out and I was always fascinated with all those characters and all those heroes. And then uh, my personal story is I got into comics when my uncle introduced me to comics when I was about. I think eight or nine. And that's how I got into comics. But I already knew who like Batman and Superman and some of the other Marvel characters were just from the popular media that they were around. And X-Men, I think animated series was either around um, right before I got into comics or right after, or maybe just like right at the same time. And so, um, so I think that's, you know, a very common thing, but you know, I, I love hearing how, Sometimes people get introduced to them in the media or like movies and film and and, uh, TV and then work their way back into comic books. And I think that's a great experience to go through that. Um, But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think that getting into the comics kind of gives you another perspective on how storytelling can be done because we're always used to the movies that when you look at the, you know, the whole history of a particular character, uh, it could be really interesting to see how the stories have changed over time and everything. So. Absolutely. How much the context of the moment in which the character is being written influences how they come out on the page or on the screen. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And I remember when Hawkeye came out, you and I had a lot of conversations about that because I had read the Fraction series um, a few years before the show came out. And I think you were just getting into it when the show mm-hmm. came out, if I remember correctly. I was really excited to hear your thoughts on it because it's been by far one of my favorite um, graphic novels and, and collection of series that Marvel's put out um, from any of them. I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but that's definitely on my top five list of you know one of the best series I've read so far from Marvel, too. Loved it. I and I've reread it since. Like I've even got it on my shirt. I don't know. 
Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good. So if if you haven't read the story, I highly recommend it. It's on Marvel Unlimited if you have that subscription. Um, I think a lot of comic shops still has uh, the the collection all in one book still. I've been seeing them, at least in my local comic shops, they still have those. So uh, there's a chance that you can go to a comic shop or even um, Half Price Books or a bookstore. They might have that as well, too. It's a very popular run. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into phase four. And we have a series of things that we're going to touch base on when we're talking about phase four. And so before we get started, I just want to remind everybody what are the projects that are um, up for discussion as we're doing this episode. So I'm going to go through the list and, and remind everybody what the films from that phase four um, is includes and then the television series. And then also a new thing um, that has just kind of you know been a thing lately, and that's the special presentations that uh, Marvel has been doing as well, too. So um, all the films that are part of Phase 4 is Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and then Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Television series include WandaVision, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, I Am Groot, which is a series of animated shorts, I believe, and then She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And then we have two special presentations, uh, the first one being Werewolf by Night, and then the second one is Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which I mentioned before, that um, has not been out yet at the time of this recording. So we won't be able to talk about those, but that's technically part of the Phase 4. So um, so those are the list of all the projects that encompasses Phase 4. TK, I want to ask you first, how do you think uh phase four has been faring so far do you think it's been you know just as good has it been missing some steps has it been you know superior than what we've seen in the other phase three is it just you know something different it's not you know better or less than it's just unique and different what are your thoughts on phase four as a whole so far yeah it's definitely it's definitely unique because for, for a number of reasons but the big one that stands out is the disney plus factor having those tv shows breaking uh, into into different areas beyond uh, just those film events that the MCU has been so known for. I think that phase four overall, it, it's included some of my absolute favorite moments and favorite characters I've ever experienced in the MCU. And it's also included some moments and some projects that I've personally been less than enthused by. And I think that um, it's it's been... It's been very, very big couple of years. <laughs> There's been a lot of projects that have come out. Personally, mm-hmm. I'm more partial to the projects from 2021 than I am to the ones from 2022 this year. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, last, I guess it was it was January, you and I and Ellie uh, got together and we did an episode on there was an idea that thinking about the year 2021 and kind of going through some of our best of the year. And at that time, all of us talked about what an awesome year that that was uh, for the MCU. And and I, I still stand by that. I think that 2021 was absolutely just an incredible moment for this this franchise and these stories and these characters. And since that time, I think I, I think, you know, for me, the big thing that I spoke about in, in kind of that first year of phase four was how much I appreciated the storytelling as being this bridge uh, from old you know, bridging old and new characters, new characters taking on mantles. And I think moving into 
you know, this, the second year of the phase, I was expecting a little bit more of a destination on the other side of that bridge. And mm-hmm. I, I think that for me, I, I lost sight of some of the thematic thread a little bit. But then I also remember that there were three phases that built to Infinity War and Endgame. And yes, they were shorter and there weren't TV series mixed in there. But I'm really interested to see how phase five is going to build on on what has begun here in, in phase four. So um, I think the other thing that has been a thematic thread that I've really enjoyed over the course of phase four has been this um, theme of, of, you know, I, I speak a lot on, on my show about that theme of identity and superhero stories as identity stories, but specifically mm-hmm. these characters having to come face to face with who, who they really are and aspects of themselves that they might not, uh, might not want to face. And we see that metaphorically so much in all these stories, but then in this phase, we also see it happening so much in the literal sense, like the literal mm-hmm. manifestation of coming face to face with another Dr. Strange, or uh, <laughs> you think about Moon Knight, or you think about obviously Spider-Man and, and, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So uh, um, yeah, so those are some of the things that have been, been on my mind, but what about you? What do you think of phase four? Yeah, so I find it very interesting, um, very similar to a lot of reasons that you had said. I think that um, it has a different kind of experience because phases one through three were just movies, as you mentioned. And phase four not only have the movies, but we also have the exclusive Disney Plus series that they've experimented with, as well as the special presentations. And Mm -hmm. what I like about that is that I've told people... I think it's a really cool risk that they took because it's a chance for them to tell new stories without really impacting the filmatic or the the films that are part of the grander story of the MCU. So when you look at things like Hawkeye or you think of, um, you know, She-Hulk or even Moon Knight, if they never got another season or anything like that, it wouldn't impact the overall, um, you know, storytelling nature that's going to happen in the movies with the uh, multiverse saga that we're going into. And so I think it's really cool to be able to tell those stories and do it in a more free way that they can really go with whatever direction they want to go. And they don't have to worry about how is this going to tie into the bigger universe. I mean, obviously they do in some capacity with each of the show that they connected to, you know, name dropping, you know, different people or things like that. But if they were to, you know, just kind of go big on something, they don't have to worry about did they just mess something up with the bigger, you know, continuity or anything like that. So I think it's really cool for them to explore that as a storytelling opportunity. Um, I think that, what I've read recently is that Kevin Feige said that phase four is a lot about introductions, which is very similar to what phase one was basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting phase four to have just been a continuation of phase three. And I think that's been kind of a mistake to treat it as such because everyone keeps saying, you know, what's going to be the big, you know, thing like, you know, we had the affinity war, the affinity saga, you know, right now it doesn't seem like it's really going towards anything. And now we know that it's going to secret wars and, um, and all that, um, secret wars. And I forget what the other one is, the other Avengers movie that they're doing, uh, Kang, Kang dynasty, Kang dynasty. Yes. Thank you. Um, so obviously, you know, we just got confirmation that this year and, and people knew we were kind of leading to that, but everyone was, uh, I don't want to say everyone, but there was a lot of people that were, you know, kind of, expecting it to be a lot grander than what it already is because they talk about, you know, 
phase three had a lot of stuff going on. And I think that comparing phase four to phase three is kind of off the mark and that we need to look at phase one more as, you know, the comparable thing there as well, too. But what I love about phase four overall is that they're taking a lot more risk, especially since there's been a lot of criticism about people saying that they felt like some of the movies kind of followed the same formula. Phase four has had a lot of different kinds of stories that they've been telling. I think, you know, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness is a great example of how they really went into the horror genre a lot. Um, you know, Shang-Chi, I absolutely love because that was a really unique story that we haven't had um, that um, is a character that is really beloved, but it's not one the main ones that you think about when you think about the Avengers and everything. And um, Shang-Chi was just one of my favorite projects from this film. Or I'm sorry, from this phase. And is just, um, I think they just took a lot of risk being able to tell different kinds of stories and be able to break away from that formula and being able to, you know, just experiment with a lot of things. And so I think phase four um, is really a lot of risk taking, but also just a lot of um, wealth in terms of the kinds of stories that they can tell and a lot of freedom with that as well. And one of the things I, I also keep in mind is that phases one through three was an 11 year process. When you look at phases four, five, and six, I think it's about half of that. Yeah. So when you try to compare phase four to what's been going on phase one, two, and three, I think we have to keep in mind that it, this is still fast paced and there's a lot going on with phase four that we're not experienced, that we haven't experienced in the first three phases because of that. And that this is all, you know, kind of crunched down into a shorter timeline as well, too. Part of it's because of the pandemic, but I think part of it is just that they're able to tell more stories um, than ever before because of the opportunities that Disney Plus has presented them as as well too. So I, I think phase four has been a you know just a lot of risk taking and a lot of it has really you know um, paid off and some of it I think you know didn't necessarily hit the mark but it wasn't off of it either. Um, but I really just love the fact of being able to watch it and just see how they're experimenting with a lot of this stuff and then what they were able to create and produce from that and then be really exciting to see you know what they're doing when they go into phase five. So yeah, absolutely. And I love I love that you're using the term risk taking because that's been so great to see. And I, and to your point, I think the Disney Plus aspect has just maybe offered a little bit more freedom to break out of that so-called formula and and working with new directors and um telling the stories of characters who mm-hmm. might be from areas of the world or might have different types of backgrounds that we hadn't seen previously in the MCU as well. And just expanding in that way, the different uh, types of characters who are being represented in the storytelling has been so, so cool to see. Oh yeah, definitely. I I agree completely. And I think this is, um, this is just something that we've been wanting to have, you know, kind of at the beginning of it, but you know, I love that they eased into this and then now they're splintering off into all these as well. So, um, so now that we talked about what we thought about as a whole, let's do a segment that I call rapid fire superlatives, which is basically just kind of going through and talking about very quickly, some of our favorite things. And I have a list of questions or a list of favorites that we're going to touch on. And the idea is that we'll just kind of each spend maybe a minute. We won't go into a deep dive necessarily just because there's so much, Mm -hmm. um, but we'll just kind of 
share like what our favorite thing was about it and then, you know, just kind of move on to the next one. Um, but in addition to that, not only are we going to share our own, I've also asked our listeners to share what their own uh, favorite superlatives were as well, too. And so I want to thank for uh, I want to thank everybody who shared the responses. And so from Twitter, we have the ODPH podcast that shared uh, Beyond the Fandom, Metalcore Nerds, Tony from MCU Rewind, uh, Friendly NBHD by and SWO Productions from TikTok. We had Paperweight Entertainment, Mr. Marvel 613 and Marvel.twin. From Discord, we have Supnep. And from Instagram, we had John's Comics with Kids and Baron underscore Hendrix. They all submitted some of their favorites. I'm going to read them um, as we go through this as well, too. So thank you all for submitting them. So the first one I'm going to ask you, TK, from Phase 4, who was your favorite hero? I got to go with Kate Bishop. I think she was the most successful bridge character to, to speak to that quality I was talking about before. She's just this regular person who's choosing to fight the good fight like Clint Barton before her. And I just loved seeing her story play out in the Hawkeye series. What's funny is my favorite hero actually was Clint Barton. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, both of us have said that, you know, Hawkeye was one of our favorites. And mm-hmm. I absolutely love Kate Bishop and I love Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I've always said that if she got that role, I think she would do an amazing job. And I feel mm-hmm. like she absolutely uh, fulfilled that. Um but I love Clint Barton just, you know, for a lot of personal reasons is, um, you know, as we both said, we love the fraction run. Um, but also with my own personal journey of being a father and also somebody who suffers from hearing loss, it was really cool to see Clint um, kind of going through that and the audience be able to see that. But also, Clint is like one of the first people we get to see aside from uh, Natasha, which we can talk about a little bit. But the first time we get to see him have his own story because he's always been kind of a tag along character with the other movies and other projects as well, too. So I was very happy to see that. So that's why that was one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite heroes from the phase four. So um, other uh, I'm sorry. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so our listeners who submitted their favorite heroes, some of them have said Winter Soldier, uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, one person said Spider-Man because Peter lost it all, literally everything, and he picked saving the world over his personal relationships. Uh, okay, Okoye, Black Widow, She-Hulk, Falcon slash Captain America. Uh, someone said specifically Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, and the tie between Spider-Man and Moon Knight. Uh so those are some of the favorite heroes that we got from our listeners. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into favorite villain. What's your favorite villain, TK? So I'm going to go with Namor from mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, who is like Killmonger before him, uh, a complicated antagonist in the film and arguably, you know, not straight up villainous, although there are certainly some <laughs> some villainous things that he does in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. I've only seen this film twice at the time of this recording. It, it came out relatively recently, but um, I just was immediately taken with this character, uh, Tanak Huerta Mejia. His his performance is just so dynamic and uh, the character design is is so cool and, and the entirety of the world of Talakan and, and how this represents a it's a new character in a new realm for the MCU. So I uh, mm-hmm. loved his, his backstory and uh, really, really enjoyed him as an antagonist. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people have been loving Namor uh, in the MCU. There's been a lot of discussions about, you know, is he a villain or is he anti-hero? Mm-hmm. And, and it's 
very highly debated, which I find really interesting. Um, for me, it is uh, Wenwu from Shang-Chi because I thought his uh, – first of all, the actor that played him was fantastic. And I think this was actually his first English-speaking role, if I remember correctly. Um, and the character as a whole I found very fascinating and very um, intriguing because, you know, I know Marvel likes to – not paint their villains as you know black or white and, and kind of give them a little bit more depth by kind of creating empathy around them. But I feel like when Wu had a he had a lot of empathy from the audience going in because from the whole movie you didn't really get that sense that he was necessarily a villain with bad intentions. It was more of he had all the right intentions and good intentions, but didn't really live to live up to the consequences of his actions and didn't really claim them as his own. Um, but I felt that his character was just so compelling and was just really fascinating to watch through that. Even though he was making some, you know, wrong choices, you could tell that he was really somebody who was a person of love, especially when it comes to his family. Um, even though, you know, he did some horrible decisions like trained his son to be the world's, you know, most lethal assassin, things like that. Um, I think it was just really fascinating to see how much of a, you know, of a really deep and, and empathetic person that you can really have that connection with his character. And I just absolutely love that um, about him in, in the Shang-Chi movie. So um, other people who submitted their favorite villains, um, they also said Namor. Um, one person said U.S. agent because he's the worst <laughs> and a, uh, and he said a, and a lost eternal who are equally as bad. So I think this might've been two answers. Um, someone said Namor, but was he really a villain? Uh, Scarlet Witch, um, and when we showed up a few times as well, too, um, somebody said Dr. Doom, but I don't think we've seen Dr. Doom yet. <laughs> so I don't know if, if maybe they just meant like, um, in the comics or something like that. So, um, but yeah, so a uh, favorite supporting character, TK. Um, for this one, I've got to go with Yelena Belova specifically in black widow, although she was awesome in the Hawkeye series as well but um, as I've spoken about before the Black Widow movie was absolutely one of my favorite projects of phase four and it was just mm -hmm. a lot of what you said about Clint and that character resonating with you and being able to see him in the spotlight for the first time really is is how I felt about uh, Natasha and Black Widow and what an awesome bonus that you see the introduction of the Yelena character who is going to move forward in the MCU, I think in, in such an awesome way, you know, she was pitch perfect in terms of the balance of humor and heart in, in that, in that movie. And Florence Pugh is, is utterly magnetic. So a uh, big, big fan of Yelena. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say um, that would have been my uh, choice of supporting character before Black Panther Wakanda forever, mm. because I absolutely love Florence Pugh as Elena, and I think she did. She has done a fantastic job in that role. Um, but when Black Panther: Wakanda Forever came out, um, surprisingly, it's actually kind of a tie between the two. Um, I, I will say who was a tie between, but who I ultimately went with is um, Queen Ramonda, and I think that was you know purely because Angela Bass Bassett did a fantastic job of portraying Amazing. her. And uh, Mbaku, but 
I, I said I ended up saying Mbaku for the reason that I saw a lot of character development from him in the first movie to the second movie. Um, because in the second movie, he was still kind of Mbaku in terms of person. Like he still is that you know strong warrior and strong leader for his tribe and has that you know comedic element to him. But he also served as an older brother figure for Shuri when T'Challa was gone and try to gave some really wise and guiding um, advice to Shuri. And so I was really surprised and really thought that was a really cool way to kind of see that development, um, not just within a movie, but also from, you know, the first movie to the second movie and, and see that as well, too. So that ended up being my favorite supporting character because you saw he added on more to that character as the cinematic universe progresses well too. And, and as his, his role within the tribe has changed, his character has changed with that kind of leadership and everything. So that's why I ended up ultimately going with M'Baku because I think he had a lot of development from the first movie all the way through what we've seen in Black Panther Wakanda forever. I love um, him. Yes. And he was already one of my favorites in the MCU. Like, I mm-hmm. absolutely love Winston Duke. He mm-hmm. plays the voice of Bruce Wayne and Batman in the audio drama um, Batman Unburied. Um, but Winston Duke, I just always find him, he always commands the screen. Like, whenever he's, he's on screen, like, he just commands his presence and, and you can't help yes. but watch him the whole time. Like, he just does a fantastic job as an actor. So, yes. um, other um, other listeners have submitted that Darcy from WandaVision and Thor was their favorite. Uh, Layla, a.k.a. Scarlet Scarab, was uh, from Moon Knight. Uh, Mobius from Loki. Peter, number three, from Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, Riri Williams, Red Guardian. Um, and then Katie and uh, Shang-Chi and Ned from Spider-Man No Way Home. Favorite duo, TK, who is your favorite duo from Phase 4? Favorite? duo has got to be Clint and Kate and I know we already spoke about them a little bit but um, maybe Mm. there's some Hawkeye bias (laughs) coming out Um, (laughs) but you know everything I said about Kate everything you said about Clint seeing them interact together um, seeing that mentor mentee relationship and the teaching and learning that they do with each other and her going from this place of this kind of naive hero worship of him to really Mm -hmm. seeing him as a real person and i just always think about that diner scene from episode three of hawkeye when they're sitting there and she is talking about um you know she's got this like zest and this optimism and and he speaks Mm -hmm. to her about everything that that you lose that everything that you can lose when it comes to uh you know choosing to be a superhero and she talks about well those things that you gain as well and they just play off of each other so well and um they they have to be my my number one pick I agree. And and what's interesting is for me, it's actually Kate Bishop in Yelena. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and for the reason, I think it's just that it wasn't a duo. I was necessarily expecting them to have so much chemistry on screen. But I think they only had two, maybe three scenes together in the whole series. And they were probably some of the best scenes that we saw in the whole series. And I just want more of them. So I really hope in the MCU moving forward that we get to see them interact with each other more, um, whether it's, you know, in a movie or in a series or or even just doing like their own, you know, buddy up uh, type of series like what we have in Captain America and uh, uh, Winter Soldier. 
I just love to see them more together just because they were like a pleasant surprise. I was not expecting them to be such a, you know, charismatic duo that we saw from any of the other shows. There were movies that we've seen as well, too. So it's funny that we both chose Hawkeye, yeah. but <laughs> two different pairings. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I, I com- completely agree. And I uh, I'll never, never forget that mac and cheese scene. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, it, oh my God. Yeah, we could go on forever about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, listeners have submitted uh, Sungshi and Katie. Another person said Yelena and Kate Bishop. Thor, Mighty Thor, which is a great one. Um, we have a couple more for Kate Bishop, Yelena. Somebody said Clinton, Kate, Hawkeye. Uh, somebody said Wongers and Madison from She Hulk. Oh, yes. Which, <laughs> That's a good. Oh my gosh, that, that I love that. Yeah, that that was another great surprise. Um, Sam Wilson and Bucky, uh, and Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. So those are some really great duos. Awesome. Uh, let's jump into favorite scene. Which uh, scene was your favorite from Phase Four? So my favorite scene from Phase Four is still the same scene that was my favorite when we reflected on 2021, and it is a scene from WandaVision which uh, mm-hmm. remains my favorite project of phase four. And I specifically love episode eight previously on. And mm-hmm. um, the scene, I've, I've talked about it on a, on a few different podcasts, on my show, on MCU Need to Know. And it still hits me every time I revisited it. And uh, it's Wanda revisiting a memory in which she and Vision are sitting in the Avengers compound shortly after the death of Pietro around the time of the Civil War movie. And she's watching a sitcom. She's watching Malcolm in the Middle and he comes in and sits there and is asking about, you know, why it's funny that there's a character on the show getting injured. And she says he's not really injured. And he says, how do you know? And and she just says it's not that kind of show. And I just love the power of that line and the whole conversation they have, which, of course, culminates in the line. You know, what is grief, if not love persevering, is uh, just mm-hmm. this tender, awkward, beautiful moment between these two characters who are both both learning how to, you know, he's learning how to be human and she's learning how to, how to move on after the death of her brother. And, and the the aspect of it that she in the present is watching the memory as well and what that means to her. So it's just, uh, I think it speaks to the power of that show and something about the qual, all of the qualities that I really love about WandaVision are distilled in that moment. And so it remains my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really goes into the core crux of, you know, what it means to be human, like that human experience. And I think it was really cool how they juxtapose, you know, Wanda going through grief and vision learning, you know, the emotional side of being human. And so I, I, I absolutely love that scene. It's not my favorite, but I, it, it is a very powerful scene from phase four. And I think that ends up being one of the most, you know, compelling scenes that we've seen um, in the phase four and maybe even of the MCU, because it's, it's one of those things where it, it definitely, you know, stands the test of time. Um, for me, my favorite scene is Hawkeye episode three, the car chase scene. Um, 
the episode three as a whole is my favorite episode of any of the series, but the car chase scene, I absolutely love for a number of reasons because it comes from, um, it's clearly influenced from the comic that's based off of, which is what we talked about before, the Fraction Hollingsworth AHA run. Um, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of influence that they've come from that. Um, a lot of humor, a lot of very, um, cool action scene cinematography wise because there was a lot of instances where you do like a 360 camera angle inside the car um but i just absolutely love it as an action scene because it they just did a really great job of being able to capture you know something that is very cinematic in a tv series but also be able to take the comic that's based off of and kind of make it its own so for example one thing i absolutely love is in the comic they drove a 72 challenger which i can't remember if it was kate's car or if it was clint's car um but they drove that around and you know banged it up a little bit in that scene in the comic and then in the series they had that same car in there but they flipped it to where that's echo's car and even kate wanted to try to steal it <laughs> and clint being the reasonable person saying i'm not going to smash up a 72 challenger because he knows the value and worth of that car and the history behind it i just absolutely love just kind of picking that apart because there's just a lot of small little things that were in there that absolutely loved i thought was really great um some of our listeners had said their favorite scenes was the mutant reveal of miss marvel uh shang chi getting the 10 rings uh the three spider-man fighting the at the statue of liberty i know that's you know very that's going to be a historic moment i think uh for sure mm-hmm. uh yelena meeting kate at kate's apartment uh any moment with angela bassett queen ramonda wakanda forever i absolutely agree with that um, a couple more of the Spider-Man at the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and I love the scene where the three Peters hugged at the end of No Way Home. So those are Spider-Man definitely ends up being favorite scenes for a lot of people. Um, and I can see why as well, too, because there's just a lot of nostalgia. Oh, yeah. um, but it was just really cool. It was a really cool scene that they pulled off in that. So, yeah. Um, all right. So favorite suit from the MCU. Yeah, for this one, I, I'm. I'm going to go with Shang-Chi because I really appreciate how the way he's suited is it's, it's fairly simple and it's thematically resonant because it combines his, his various influences and experiences, including the dragon scales from his mom's land of Talo. And then he's got his Air Jordans, you know, representing his his life in California and it's it's simple and it also says so much and really captures that character so well mm-hmm. I agree yeah and I I really love that suit for for me I actually ended up going with the Spider-Man integrated suit which was the new like Iron Man suit that got integrated with the nanotech that Doc Ock gave him when he was giving back that piece that he you know kind of took from him and all that um i thought that was just a really cool leveling up suit that they did in the mcu and i you know i i like spider-man as a casual fan like i wasn't somebody that really got into the comics um but i watched the movies when they came out and i really enjoyed it and everything but i thought that suit was really cool just to kind of see the upgrade and the change that went with it and it just looked really cool um on screen so um before i get into our listeners favorite suit i just have to say i apologize because as i'm going through these responses um from our listeners i realize i've actually been skipping a few on each of the categories because um i did not scroll down far enough in each of these so i'm going to try to go back real quick and kind of list some of the ones that uh, i missed here so going back to 
Favorite hero, real quick. Some people had said Loki and Black Panther, um, and somebody had said um, Hawkeye for many reasons and lists some some great reasons. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to read them all right now just because I don't want to um, add on too much. Favorite villain, um, Green Goblin had listed that that, that I did not mention. Uh, for favorite supporting character, uh, somebody said Wong, and another person said Okoye because he's a strong lawyer warrior who I look up to. Truth be told, I would um, I would love to be part of the Dora Milaje, which I think all, a lot of us would. Um, favorite duo, Daredevil and Jennifer Walters was one, um, which I absolutely love those two as well. Um, and then favorite scene, the, a few that I had accidentally skipped was um, She-Hulk jumps through the Disney screen. That was that was a great scene, actually. I, and I, I literally thought my TV was broken when that <laughs> happened. I got, I got to admit, like we thought something went wrong, but that's because it happens all the time to us. So I legitimately thought that something went wrong with our screen when that happened. Um, and then Multiverse of Madness, when Wanda six one six is on her knees crying, and Wanda eight three eight places her hand on her cheek and tells her, "No, that they'll be loved." Um, so I. I apologize. I, I think we got all caught up now, so I apologize. I left those off. Um, but going back to favorite suit um, from all of our listeners, uh, Moon Knight, which that was a really cool mm-hmm. suit, especially when he you know called for it and everything. It was really cool how they do the wraparound and everything. Um, Sam Wilson, Captain America suit. I love that because it's from Wakanda and um, it just looks really cool in general. And I, I did love his suit a lot. Um, Shuri's Black Panther suit, Miss Marvel. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man because it was good to see again. Falcon and Cap, um, or I'm sorry, Falcon as Cap. Uh, the new suit at the end of No Way Home. The alternate Loki running for president, which was great. <laughs> um, White Vision and Shuri's Black Panther suit. So all great ones. Nice. All right. Favorite line from the Phase Four MCU, TK. What's your favorite line? And I, part of me thinks I know what it is because we kind of talked about it, but I'll let you say what it is. You know, I'm going to pivot actually because oh, yeah, I, of course you would. <laughs> I wanted to, in doing this, you know, I, I wanted to actually have an opportunity to to chat a little bit about as many of the installments as possible and and try to spread the wealth a little bit. And so, rather than Smart. choose choose a line from that WandaVision scene, which includes includes a couple of, of beautiful lines there. Um, I'm going to pivot to the character Druig in Eternals, uh, which is a mm. film that I, I really, really love. And um, it's so, so different and risk taking for the MCU, as we spoke about before. And now that it's a year on since that film came out, I really am struck by how much it still really holds up for me and, and resonates with me. And uh, the character Druig was my favorite. And he's got so many great lines that I, I think really capture him and and the some of the central conflict for for the eternals in in facing this this mission that they're on and re-examining their purpose and he um so so there's there's a few of them but i love when he says without their flaws they wouldn't be human i love the part when he says um you know, 7,000 years, look at where you've got us. I've watched humans destroy each other when I could stop it all in a heartbeat. Do you know what that does to someone? And, uh, and then when he's speaking with Cersei and Cersei's talking about the deviants and she says something like, you know, they have, they have a conscience now and that makes them dangerous. And he just says that makes them us. And um, just so poignant and, and profound these lines that he has. And um, yeah, so I wanted to have an opportunity to talk about that character and, and some of those lines from Eternals that really resonate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. Druig has um, I think he gets overlooked sometimes in that movie, um, I think, because of 
his character being so different in terms of point of view uh, for humanity than the other Eternals have as well. But um, but you're right. He has some really great lines and great philosophical insights on, you know, humanity and things like that. So I agree completely. That's yeah. that's a really good line. Um, for me, it's from Shang-Chi again, and it's when Wenwu um, is having dinner with um, both of his children and Katie, and he's talking to you know Katie and says, names are sacred. They connect us not only to ourselves, but to everyone who came before. And I thought that was just a really, really powerful line. And it, you know, and, and I think it's, it's rooted a lot with, um, uh, with, uh, Chinese tradition, if I remember correctly, because I know, you know, names have a very, you know, significant meaning when, um, they're naming their children. And, um, and I think what was really cool about this is in the movie at one point, Shang-Chi had made some sort of comment about how he even tried to change his name and wanted to get away from his father, but could never really, you know, get away from him. And I think that goes back to, you know, when we were talking about how, you know, names is a huge part of who we are and that it's not just something that's arbitrary that somebody gave us, but it connects us to, you know, just like what you said, like all the people that came before us and how they have those significant meanings and how it is a part of our identity of, you know, trying to think of. If I'm called, you know, someone other than Sean, like if my name was something different, it's really hard to kind of go by a different name and kind of think like how that would change. But I can see how, you know, that is a huge part of my identity. I think that was just a really great insight um, to the character of Wenwu and how he, he, he kind of talks about how something as, you know, seemingly small like that. It has a huge significance. And again, it goes back to his love for his family and how he sees that being a huge part of their identity. So so that was my favorite line from the MCU uh, phase four. Um, our listeners has said uh, their favorite lines is, oh, great. It's another random guy from Spider-Man. No way home. <laughs> um Norman's on sabbatical, honey. Oh, so uh, what is grief? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, well, and, and and not to get you know too far away, but um, that performance as Green Goblin, Norman Osborn in this movie far surpassed any of the other ones that he did in any previous movie. It's just it, he did a fantastic job. He did. So um, what is grief if not love persevering? Uh, I'm a really good lawyer, Matt Murdock. I absolutely love that one as well, too. <laughs> um, and then another one for what if grief, if not love persevering. Uh, someone said, Dr. Strange, I love you every universe. And someone said, sorry, Sean, because they know I'm not a fan of Dr. Strange. And that's that's totally fine. I, just because I'm not a fan of it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't share. That's a favorite line of yours. Um, Aunt May giving the great power uh, 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 speech to Peter. Um, Arthur Harrow from Moon Knight saying there's chaos in you. Um, this is Queen Ramonda saying I'm queen of the most powerful nation in the world and my entire family is gone. Have I not given everything? Uh, Wakanda forever. And then the last one, you broke the rules and I become a hero or you break the rules and become a hero. I do. And I become the enemy. That doesn't seem very fair. Uh, and Wanda Maximoff was the person that said that. So, all right. And then favorite fight scene, TK, uh, what is your favorite fight scene from phase four? All right. This is a great transition because this is where I'm going to speak about the Doctor Strange movie a little bit. Um, the music note fight scene between Doctor That's Strange. Mine too. All right. <laughs> oh man. It's bound to happen. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's so completely unique and weird and visually dynamic. And um 
it just it's just bizarre i remember the first time i saw it in the mm-hmm. theater i was like are they doing this this is so strange <laughs> um no, no pun intended um, right, yeah <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> yeah i i agree and again if you know me you know i'm not a doctor strange fan but i feel like i try to be objective as much as possible and when it comes to fight scenes that is definitely one of the highlights for me in phase 4 because it is you know, very weird, very different, but very cool and still in the same kind of nature of, you know, the magical world of Doctor Strange. And it was just so, as you said, visually interesting and engaging and just really cool to watch, um, you know, how they're doing that in front of them. And, and like, who would have thought that in something like the MCU that they would be able to pull this off and I think, you know, do it well. You know, I think that was definitely one of the best scenes from that movie, but also one of the best fight scenes just because of how interesting and different it is than anything else that we've seen before. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. That was that's definitely by far the my favorite fight scene of Phase 4. Um, our listeners have said uh, Atuma versus Okoye, Wakanda Forever, anything from Shang-Chi. Uh, the Shang-Chi bus scene, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor's and the kids versus Gore's shadow creatures. I absolutely love that as well, too. Uh, this person said, I'm a teacher. I have a soft spot for kids getting powers. Um, and they also like Jane's triumphant sacrifice going out on her own terms. That is great. Uh, Makari versus Icarus and Eternals. Uh, another one for the Shang-Chi bus fight. The apartment building fight with Green Goblin and No Way Home. Uh, Wenwu versus Xiaoling in the forest. Um... Shang-Chi versus Wenwu, Shang-Chi on the trolley, Shang-Chi versus Wenwu, and Yelena Hawkeye at the uh, New York Ice Rink, which that was a great scene as well, too. But a lot of votes definitely for Shang-Chi. So, um, which that has a lot of great fight scenes. And um, I don't want to go, you know, too off board, but, um, you know, I think you and I have talked about how the fight scenes where Wenwu has with, um, uh, his wife, and then when we see it kind of replicated um, or mirrored with Shang-Chi, like that was just, it wasn't just a fight scene, it was a dance, and mm-hmm. it was beautiful and just gorgeous as as um, as choreography. I, th- I thought it was fantastic, so. Uh, Alright, favorite tech. What was your favorite tech that we saw from Phase 4? Yeah, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned it a little bit already, but um, I was going to mention the nanotech from No Way Home and mm-hmm. I, I I love how Peter, you know, the Stark technology and Peter being a, a techie kid is such a, a, an important part of the story and I love how he was able to use the technology to find ways to cure the Doc Ock and like uh, and to um to utilize those those technologies and trying to to help the villains in the story, so uh, I like mm. that one. Yeah, definitely. I for me is is I mean it's no surprise it's from Hawkeye, but the trick arrows because yeah. even though we got the trick the trick arrows from the other movies, the show we got to see a lot of different kinds of trick arrows and um, kind of got you know a little bit more dedication in terms of being able to not only to see them in action, but um, you know, them be- becoming a thing in the show as well, too. So Kate had to go get them from the compound from the New York Police Department. They 
Um, you know, you saw them making their own trick arrows. You saw Clint going through and kind of explaining what each one of them does and, and having even like the comical ones. We, you know, Kate shot the USB arrow at one of the, uh, 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 tracksuit mafia. And I love how when one of them gets hit, the other person screamed <laughs> because he thought he was, he got injured and it just bounced off of him. Um, so I love it just because, you know, not only was it just really cool tech, but they did a lot with it in that series. Um, our listener said Stark Tech, Spider-Man Goblin Web Shooter, uh, the TVA Tim Pads and Time Doors. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint's Various Arrows, White Vision, uh, Wakandan uh, Technology, Sam Wilson's Captain America Suit, Hawkeye's Arrows, and Wakandan Technology as well, too. So, all right. Then last but not least in the superlative category here, favorite vehicle. What was your favorite vehicle from this phase? So coolest one is Riri Williams' muscle car in Wakanda Forever and that chase scene <laughs> and then how it comes back at the end. Sherry fixes it up for her. That's the coolest. And then also just shout out to the fishing boat in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I just love that scene when they're fixing it up together. It's, it's very sweet. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and yeah, no, that was a really cool scene. I really like that. It's not actually used as a vehicle, so it doesn't really count, but it is a mode of transportation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a vehicle. Does it get used? No. And the question wasn't, you know, favorite used (laughs) vehicle, you know, it was favorite vehicle, you know. So, no, it totally counts. So, Um, for me, it was actually Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, Nakia's, um, like, scuba propulsion, like, diving propulsion vehicle Mm -hmm. that she has. Um, I thought it was really cool because not only did it really serve as that, it was like really simple um, and straightforward and just really cool as a idea for technology, but it also served as, you know, kind of like a scouting vehicle for her. So she didn't have to like go in and, and kind of put herself out there first, but it could have done it on its own. And it served as kind of like a computer hub for her to be able to do other things as well, too. So I thought it was a really cool and simple way of creating a vehicle that does a lot without making it, you know, look very complex or anything like that like obviously it it is complex but it was very simple in its design as well too so i thought it was really cool um so vehicles from our listeners uh somebody said the eternal ship which was really cool uh somebody said whales because of the talokan (laughs) riding the whales in black panther wakanda forever uh the jeep that took down the hulk riri's car so we had another one for riri's car uh, Ironheart's ride in Black Panther Wakanda forever. And, um, somebody said they had a sleek design and the action scene made it good. I think that may have been, uh, oh no, that was actually, that's about Ironheart, uh, Ironheart's ride in Black Panther. That's what they were talking about. So, yeah. So, all right. So that is our superlative. So, um, let's go ahead and talk about our favorite film, our favorite series, and then uh, we'll wrap up with what we're looking forward to in Phase 5 and then talk about the comics that we're reading. So um, looking at Phase 5, what was your favorite film out of the entire series um, that you saw from – I'm sorry, from Phase 4. I apologize. But from Phase 4, what was your favorite film from the, um, from that phase? So I'm, I'm acknowledging – potentially some recency bias but as of this moment i have to say it's wakanda forever it's a film that so i'm thinking about my other two favorites from the year black widow and no way home and black widow it's this immensely personal story for the natasha character 
and and really like lets us dig into her uh, her interior world a bit more. And I just personally, you know, there there's so much there that resonates with me. No way home. It's this spectacle, this event, this culmination of so much building. Somewhere in the Venn diagram of the qualities that those two films have is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's this personal story about loss and grief and just the interiority of of Shuri and not just Shuri, too, but of Queen Ramonda and uh, and, and Nakia, even Okoye. Like there's just like the characters are so robust and the character work is so beautifully done. And mm-hmm. it also is just this incredibly spectacular film to look at on the screen. The action is impeccable and the visuals are just outstanding. And, and it has that quality of being being something that's that's big. It's simultaneously interior and and there's an external something to it. So uh, so that's mm-hmm. that that's my thinking at, at the current moment that it's really the, the pitch perfect um that captures both of those elements for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really love Black Panther uh, Wakanda forever. And I think one of the things that I love about it is that it's very emotional um, and that you feel the pain and the grief uh, through the person of Shuri and that it just goes through like really hard the whole time. And so I think of all the movies that we had in phase four, Black Panther Wakanda forever was definitely um, the most emotional, um, both as a film in its um, own story, but also with what we brought to the film when we watched it as well. Um, for me, in terms of favorite film, I, I struggle with this one throughout the whole phase. Um, and, you know, I think um, if I look at the whole phase for as in its entirety and looked at movies as its own thing and not looking at some of the other external factors here. Um, I have to go with Shang-Chi. And the reason for that, what I mean by external factors is that Spider-Man No Way Home, I thought was a fantastic movie. Um, but I also think that we also, we brought in a lot of our own nostalgia with it because we were all wanting to see the three Spider-Men show up on film together. And I think that was part of the thing that kind of went into it that, um, had another movie did that, or let's say if this movie did it and we never had Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man or Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man before, then I think that it still would have done well, but it wouldn't have that as much of an impact because of those external factors that we're bringing into the movie by itself. Um, which is why I would say Shang-Chi was probably my favorite film of all of Phase 4 because it's a story all of its own that was very powerful, that it was one of the few that... When I watched it over and over again, I kept pulling something new from it. It was like pulling back layers and layers that I hadn't noticed the first time. But then when I watched it again or, you know, I watched someone's, you know, TikTok, like pointing something out or whatever. It's like every time I watched it, I learned something new that I didn't catch before that just made a world of difference in terms of meaning um, as a film that I just absolutely love. And I think Shang-Chi is just one of those films that um, will continue to surprise me each time I watch it because I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time and I'm catching something new every single time. Um, and like I said, I love the choreography. I love the story. I love how they took the fight scenes and made them as a beautiful dance, basically, and that it has a lot of symbolic meaning. Um, because there, there are some uh, movies that I've seen, uh, martial arts movies, where it really is, it's not just a fight chore- 
choreography, but it's definitely something that is, you know, on par with dancing and that it's an art form that they really take into consideration and think of like how they can they push things, but also, you know, use timing very well and just, you know, use that as an opportunity to treat it as an art as opposed to we're just going to beat each other up. And so there, there's a lot of things I love about Shang-Chi that I think um, all the different components of the storytelling aspect of it was just so beautiful and just so well done. And that's why that's been my favorite film from Phase 4. So um, so let's talk about favorite series. What was your favorite series from Phase 4? Yeah, it's, it's still WandaVision and it's just... Mm-hmm. And and Hawkeye is a really, really close second for me. But mm-hmm. oh, there is just something to WandaVision that it, th- this moment in time in which it premiered, being the first Disney Plus series, being the first installment of Phase 4 that we saw, being the, the first MCU installment since the, the time of the pandemic and the um, all of the delays that that brought, and thinking mm-hmm. about even outside the show itself, like just the community that that sprung up around it and people watching from week to week and and wondering what was happening, what was going on, like with these sitcom worlds. And it was just such a such a fun moment in time. It was such a fun moment to be podcasting and meeting people through through this avenue and um and in addition to that, the series just really, really, really holds up for me. I think that um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are incredible performers. And just to see them in the spotlight in this series and playing off of one another, uh, it, I, I just the fun of the, the, the songs that they used for each of the each of the different decades and um, just Catherine Hahn as Agatha. It's just it's got everything that I that I look for. It's got that heart. It's got that humor and uh, it, it, that that poignancy and then also that absurdity. So I'm mm-hmm. a big, big fan of, of WandaVision. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think WandaVision set the bar high for the series for a number of reasons. Just like you said, it was the very first one that we got. Um, they had nine episodes. I think they hit it out of the park with the first four episodes where they replicated some very popular TV series. And I love the fact that how the first, I think, three episodes, they'd used the square aspect because that's mm-hmm. how they watched it back then. So they could have done the widescreen if they wanted to, but they chose to kind of keep it as authentic to the show that they're drawing inspiration from as, as possible. Um, and I will say, I absolutely love the scene where they brought in Evan Peters as a PA trip, fake PA trail in the series as well. Too. In fact, I, I just wrote an article for uh, nerd initiative about my top favorite moments in a uh, series in the MCU. And I'll link that in the show notes as well too. And that was one of them was Evan Peters showing up because it was one of the few times that got an actual physical reaction from me. Cause I, I remember saying, oh, my gosh, like because I, I don't even I don't know if you remember this, TK, but was that even like leaked anywhere that Evan Peters was going to be showing up in the show at all? Not that I had seen. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. And and um, it was just really surprising, so, like because almost every other movie or film or series that has come out since then, like there's always been some sort of weird leak and all that. Um, but that was a huge one. I felt like that kept on the wraps. I'm really surprised that they're able to do that. Yeah. So. Um, for me, it's no surprise. It's Hawkeye. I, I, I'm not going to go into it because I feel like I've already <laughs> shared why I love it so much. Um, but it, it's definitely one I'm going to watch again for the holidays. And it's just a, 
it's a fun show. It's very emotional. It's it's one that I just absolutely love because of so many things. And I know it's probably not uh, what everyone thinks of in terms of like the best done show. But, you know, again, this is our favorite. So in terms of personal connection, because of everything that's in there from the things I love about Hawkeye from the comics to um, how they handle, you know, um, deaf and hearing loss with Echo and Clint Barton and um, just, you know, the the whole pulling of Clint's sense of guilt and loss and how he's trying to make things right. Um, and just that, you know, just everything about that show, I just absolutely love. So that's always going to be my favorite show from phase four. And, and I honestly, it's probably going to be tough to beat that one as a show because of just how much personal meaning it has to me. Um, and then I forgot one. Um, I actually forgot a few, but I'm going to kind of group this into, um, I originally was, we're going to ha- talk about most surprising character, most surprising project, most surprising scene, but I'm just going to say like, what was the thing about phase four that surprised you the most? It could be the character project scene, or it could be just something that in your mind, you're just like, this is what surprised me the most about phase four. One of the things that you touched on it a little bit already, but I wanted to have an opportunity to briefly talk about she Hulk, uh, the character of Jen Walters and the she Hulk show, which it was not, it's not necessarily fair to call it a surprise to me because I was expecting to like her as a big fan of Tatiana Maslany, but I was just surprised by how far that show took it with the meta narrative and that breaking the fourth wall moment to the extent of breaking out into the Disney plus menu and walking around the Marvel studios headquarters and the Kevin, um, which was just so, um, I, I think one of the first things that after I watched that She-Hulk finale, I texted Trey and Jude from MCU need to know and was just like, wow, I'm really surprised they took it that far. And, and pleasantly. Mm -hmm. So I just love how silly and absurd that show was and um, just how much that character they just went for it. And I thought she was awesome. And she somehow like, even though she represents something different for the MCU, I feel like she fits. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was just really pleasantly surprised by uh, everything having to do with She-Hulk. Right. Yeah. And and I've heard from people, I I've not read the comics, but I've heard from people that that's actually something that has been done in the comics where she broke out of even the comic book in some uh, fashion or something like that and, and did something very similar to that as well too. Um. I think for me, what was most surprising is Wanda's character Mm. because at the end of phase three, you know, she essentially became an Avenger. Right. Um, And she's had kind of a change from Age of Ultron from what she was doing to, you know, now being part of the Avengers team. And then we got WandaVision where she was suffering from all the loss and, and the grief from losing, um, you know, Vision and then having to lose her kids and Vision again. Um, and then we got Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, and she became a villain, which I know they explained because she was, um, you know, interacting with the Dark Hole for so long that it kind of took over her and everything. But I think a lot of people have just want to see Wanda, you know, just just to be happy, I guess, <laughs> in general. Um, but I think it's just, we've had, I, I would just say that we've had enough of Wanda being kind of the the villain in the series that because of all the things that she had suffered through and all the things that she had to go through, I think we don't want to see her be the villain. I think we want to see her have hope. And I'm hoping that, you know, moving forward, if they bring Wanda back, which I'm sure they will, 
that they will give her kind of a happy ending at some level that will kind of bring her back into being on the good side on some level. And, and I know she made, you know, some of those, you know, bad decisions and that she took over a town and everything like that. And, and no one's ever condoning that sort of thing. But I think as a story, people are just wanting to see Wanda, you know, not being treated as the villain so often and write her in as a villain so often. Um, and that we want to kind of just see, the opposite happened for her. We don't want to see her as a as a villain. With that being said, who knows that they bring in the the House of M um, into the MCU and and talk about you know her you know either getting rid of mutants or bring in mutants or however they do that. Um, that is kind of you know borderline on that level, but I think that her character treatment has been really surprising in phase four and that it almost just seems like she just keeps kind of going, you know, back and forth between and that she doesn't really have a, you know, good side or bad side. It's just more of a moral gray, um, in how they've been telling her story. So, um, yeah. So with that being said, let's talk about phase five, what we're looking forward to the most, um, you know, moving forward now that we're heading into phase five, we're going to get our first film, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So what are you looking forward to the most with what we're going to see in, in phase five here? So I'm really looking forward to seeing the Kang character, Jonathan Majors coming back and seeing kind of the next steps with that. So that, that trailer for Quantumania looks really great. And then, um, so that that thread, I'm excited to see where that thread goes. And then in terms of individual projects, there are so many that I'm really looking forward to. But I got to mm-hmm. say, specifically right now, the one that's standing out to me is Thunderbolts. I, I think they announced Thunderbolts for Phase 5 and not Phase 6, right? I think so. I th- I think so. I think phase six is still kind of vague right now. I think it's only been like a few things like the two, uh, the two Avengers movies um, and fantastic four. And I think that's, that might be the only thing they, but I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that um, um, everything else has been phase five. Okay. That's what I thought too. I just wanted to double check, but um, yeah. yeah, Thunderbolts, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the closest thing that we'll probably ever get to a black widow too. So uh, with, with the Elena (laughs) and red guardian attack, Taskmaster um, and to see Bucky come back and the John Walker character. These are all characters that I really enjoyed in the previous projects and uh, especially seeing, seeing Yelena back in uh, on the big screen and Bucky. I'm just really looking forward to, to where that's going to go. Right. Yeah. I think for me, phase five, um, I will say that Amy and the wasp uh, quantum mania, that's probably going to be the kickoff to everything that's, that's been, um, in motion so far. So everything in phase four has been kind of putting things into motion. Um, and then I think that movie is just pretty much going to, you know, finally kick the can down the street, you know, like it's, everything has been just kind of setting up for it. And then seeing Kang show up in Ant-Man quantum mania is going to be, um, kicking off. But for me personally, what I'm most excited about is seeing daredevil again. Um, not only, have we seen daredevil in a show and a movie, which I absolutely love, Daredevil and uh, Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. I think they had great chemistry together. Um, what I'm absolutely excited about is Daredevil getting his own show again in the MCU, but he's getting 18 episodes. So I'm really curious to see why that is and what their plans are for it, because so far the series that we've had has only been six episodes or nine episodes, like with WandaVision. 
Um, so this is going to be the series that has the most episodes promised. And so I'm, I think there's a plan for it. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know if it's a, like an experiment or if it's supposed to be coinciding with what's happening in the MCU at the same time. I'm not sure, but I'm very excited to see that and that we're going to get, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin again. And, um, I'd be really interested to see, what storyline they're doing because it's called a uh, born again, which is based on another run in the uh, comics, but they kind of did that with season three in the Netflix series. So I'm kind of curious to see what their plans are for born again and what that is. If it's just, you know, it just happens to have the same title, but it's a different story or if it's just supposed to be, we're going to do like season three again or something like that. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm very excited to see daredevil have his own series and, you know, potentially see him in, in more movies. I can see him popping up in a lot of other series and movies because of his role as a character um, in the MCU and, and just what they need right now as well. So, so that's why I'm very what I'm looking forward to with phase five. So uh, before we start sharing what comics we're reading, is there anything else that you want to share about phase four that maybe we didn't get to touch on that you were really hoping that we get to talk about? No, you know, I think this was a really great way that the structure that you had here and going through the superlatives, like was a really great, great way of being able to touch on, on most of the projects and just acknowledge the bits that, that we, that we liked from all of them. Um, And especially hearing, hearing from some of the listeners as well. I think, I think I, I didn't speak as much about uh, Ms. Marvel or Moon Knight. And just to note that I, I really enjoyed those shows as well. Um, mm-hmm. And for, for the categories we were looking at, I didn't necessarily, they, you know, there weren't specific moments or things like that that stood out, but uh, I did really enjoy those series. And I would say of the two, probably especially Ms. Marvel, I really appreciate what they did with the storytelling there and some of the visuals and um, yeah. Yeah, so so uh, all, all in all, you know, looking looking back on it and reflecting on it, I, I really think there's a lot to be excited about from this phase. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, and, and I was hoping one of the one of the reasons why I structured it this way, and this is a brand new structure for me doing this, is that I was hoping that we can get a lot in in a short amount of Definitely. time, and like we're almost at an hour now. So obviously, <laughs> you know, but we still got a lot in. I would say we still got a lot in. Um, you know, I think we got you know, 20 different things in, in a short amount of time for each one versus, you know, three or four things on a you know more deeper level and, and all that. But I, I will say I agree with you in that I didn't touch on all the shows, um, you know, like, um, for example, Miss Marvel was one I really enjoyed. And I love the comics of Miss Marvel. And in the article that I mentioned earlier as well, too, one of my top five moments from phase four in the series was, when Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel does the switch, because I absolutely love that for so many reasons. And one of them is that it's a great connection with how we see Miss Marvel as a fan of Captain Marvel. And that was something that was straight from the comics. Um, but unfortunately, like the questions I wrote here, like this didn't really pull out as one of my favorites, um, you know, to be able to say like something from Miss Marvel was one of my favorites because it was something else, um, you know, unfortunately. But just like you said, you know, I loved all the shows. Um, I wasn't a fan of a couple of them, but I still thought in and of itself, they did a great job of it. It just didn't really resonate with me necessarily. So, yeah, so I agree with you completely is is had we had more questions or just, you know, went through mm-hmm. each show and all that, we could definitely hit on what we loved and, and all that. But unfortunately, you know, there's only so much time to talk about those things. So. 
Um, okay, so let's dive into comics that we're reading. So as guests, I wanted to um, ask you first, what is a comic that you're currently reading or that you're getting ready to get into? Uh, what do you want to share with us um, what you're reading right now? Yeah, so currently I'm, I'm not reading any comics at the moment, but I am currently rereading a graphic novel with my students actually um we read it with mm. our ninth grade students every year and it's called american born chinese and it's by jean luen yang and it's this oh, really cool yeah it's a really really great uh, identity story about transformation and coming of age story and we do it with our students around looking at the hero's journey and uh i i mentioned it here too because it's soon going to be adapted as a disney plus series that's going to be direct oh that's right yeah um it's destin <laughs> daniel cretton who was the director of shang chi and and will be directing the upcoming king dynasty movie so it's related mm. in that way and if, if any listeners haven't read that graphic novel i i do highly recommend it because it's it's very rereadable and it's just it's got so much in it that's um really really beautiful and and i'm excited to see what they do when they when they translate it to the screen too yeah, definitely. Well, and, and the author um, has done some um, work as a as a writer for some of the other Marvel comics as well, too. But I'll, I'll definitely make sure yes. to find a link to that graphic novel and put it in the show notes as well, too, because that sounds really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So I love that. Um, what, so you say your students are reading this um, and you say it's ninth grade. What what class is it for again? Uh, so it's it's a humanities class, which is a blended social studies and English class. So it's it's right. technically, you know, a text that they're they're reading as part of their English class. But there's connections as well, because we're, we learn about uh, we learn about belief systems and the role of belief systems in the ancient world. And there's connections there with um, with uh, some of what's presented in the text. And uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we you know, we learn about classical China and there's connections there, too. So it's it's a really mm-hmm. great it's really great text. Um for for our kids and and they love it too like they, they all really get get into it so um highly recommend oh, I love it. that yeah that's awesome yeah well and and um i'm sure all of our listeners probably you know are really supportive of this but i know there is a huge push in education about using graphic novels and comics as source mm-hmm. materials to be able to have conversations and to look at the past and and um, also look at, you know, historical events and things like that. And that's a really great medium to be able to share that as well, too. So that's great to see that that's being used in the classroom. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, for me, I actually just got done reading uh, this comic here called Batman One Bad Day, uh, Mr. Freeze, which I don't know if you're familiar with this series or not. No, it looks great. Yeah, it's so DC has been doing a series where they take a villain and they it's like a 64 page story, basically. It's basically like a unique twist to something that seems like it's very similar to The Killing Joke, um, where it's a single story of a villain interacting with Batman and kind of, you know, exploring a um, specific, you know, story within the villain or maybe even a larger theme as well, too. And Mr. Freeze has done really well. I wasn't a fan of the character art necessarily, but the story was just fantastic and was uh, really a great read. And I highly recommend that one. I just finished reading uh, Batman Beyond Neo Year, which um, is a six uh, issue series. Um, and that's really great. It's, it's something that 
I've never read any of the other Batman Beyond comics before. I've only been um, a fan of the show, but I never read any of the other comics. But I absolutely love this series, and this was really interesting to read as well, too. And then I'm getting ready to read some holiday-specific ones as well. So, Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that is what we're reading. And then we did have listeners that shared what they're reading right now. Uh, so from Comic Watch, Miriam Herrera said that she is reading a manga called One Piece, uh, which she said it's slowly nearing the end, but that will be like the next five to seven years. So apparently it's taking a long time for it to end. Uh, Kevin Rossi, again from Comic Watch, said that he's reading Detective Comics and Miracle Man and possibly Human Target if he has time to get caught up. Um, but he's also picking away at No Man's land which is a batman story and then dustin gable said that he is reading zoe's third goods it's lonely at the center of the world it's a tour de force of the graphic novel medium destroy conventions and format to convey raw emotion like no one else in comics today uh from our discord channel uh joe loves comics said that he read the third volume of walking dead and the first issue of seven to eternity enjoyed both of them uh for this week nightwing was fun and he's excited to see the rest of the week's polls very soon on tiktok that nerdy papa bear said between his weeklies he's binging uh, idw sonic the hedgehog surprisingly fun i wish i discovered it sooner i've actually never read any sonic comics um i've been a casual fan of Sonic. like i like the game but i never really been intrigued by a story of Sonic, but this it sounds interesting if he said that it's really fun. He wants to, he wish he uh, discovered it sooner. Um, and then on Instagram, John's Comics with Kids says that he's reading Wolverine the X Men by Jason Aaron, which he said was really good. Bumpkins TV said Dan Slott's Iron Man. Uh, he really likes that and is also caught up on the Dark Crisis tie ins, but he didn't love those. And then the comic book teacher on Instagram said The Keeper by Doom Barnes. Haunting story, well written and bit of a rushed ending, though. So um, thank you for everybody who submitted what they're reading this week. And thank you, TK, for joining us. Before I let you go, can you tell all all of our listeners where they can find you online if they want to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast is called There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. It's been on a bit of a hiatus the past couple of months as I've been busy with some other aspects of life things, but I, I do have a pretty big back catalog of, of episodes. So please feel free to check that out. And if you'd like to find any updates or see some more information about me and the show, you can find me at an idea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me, Sean. And that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. I hope you enjoyed listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsandlife.com. 